Are you enjoying the Women of Aurora podcast? Do you think of questions you'd like to ask our guest? As you are listening on any of the apps where you are directly downloading the Women of Aurora podcast, you can now open the episode description and click on the highlighted link that says join the conversation. This opens the galas.fm platform with the app and you can leave a comment or question right in the app. You can type or speak your question. We'd love to hear from you. This episode is sponsored by Key Financial Solutions. Financial literacy is so crucial. How can you do the right thing if you've never been taught? Martha Chavez of Key Financial Solutions specializes in helping professional women of color to be completely debt-free in nine years or less and create a tax-free, guaranteed income. Martha offers a special framework to empower her clients to solve their most pressing money concerns. Get out of debt. Fund your retirement, manage your taxes, and more. Call Martha Chavez at Key Financial Solutions at 630-263-7070. Hello and welcome to Women of Aurora, a podcast featuring remarkable women entrepreneurs and leaders working in and around the city of Aurora, Illinois. We discuss how to be successful in your business and in life as we network, support, and uplift each other. Join us to learn how to build authentic connections and have fun in a safe and open space. I'm Cynthia Gamboa Morales, a wife, mother, entrepreneur, and the founder of Women of Aurora. I'm your host for today's podcast, and I'm excited to introduce our guest to you. She is one of five women and the first Latina appointed by the Illinois Supreme Court to serve as a circuit judge in King County. Before becoming an assistant state's attorney in 2010, she worked as a victim advocate. Welcome, Judge Bianca Carbargo. Hello, Bianca, and thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate your time to come on the Women of Aurora podcast as one of our few first ladies to take advantage of this opportunity. Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited and very happy to be here. Um, looking forward to the interview and also spending time with you. Thank you. It's a very exciting time for you at this time, isn't it? Uh, yes, very exciting, very nerve-wracking, very different, but I'm very blessed and proud to be in this position. When is Election Day? June 28th. Yep. Okay, so that's coming up fast. Yes, yes. right around the corner. Well, yep. I'm excited to interview you today and learn more about you, your background, and um, certainly find out more about a young lady who not only went to law school, is from Aurora, but is now a sitting circuit judge in King County. Let's start by telling us what or who influenced you to go to law school. So it was um, definitely two groups of people. Uh, before I decided to go to law school, I was working for the King County State's Attorney's Office as a victim advocate. And in that position, I was in court five days a week. And so I was able to see some of the most talented trial attorneys. And so watching them and seeing what they were doing for our community really instilled in me two things, that I wanted to continue my career to work in public service and helping people, but also that I needed to go to law school. And that thought was very scary to me. Um because as a first-generation Mexican-American, I didn't have anyone in my family who even had a bachelor's degree. So the thought of going on to, a, you know, postgraduate work was very scary. But, you know, I went home um, and I talked to my family who, you know, that's the other group of people that influenced me were my mom and dad and my brother and sister. They were there. They were very supportive. And, you know, my parents 
they came from nothing and they built themselves all the way to the top with, you know, hard work, determination and dedication. And they pass those core values on to us. And so I was very fortunate that I had that strong support system, uh, which really fostered me and allowed me to dream big. Right. So when I went to go tell them that I wanted to go to law school, they were like, yes, like, of course you can do it. And all my fears they put to, to bed that day. So that's incredible to yep. encourage you and empower you to believe in yourself. Correct. Yep. That's- Very lucky. That's amazing. So um, earlier we were talking about trial court Mm -hmm. and what fascinated you about trial court. And I think we also touched on possibly, you know, track records and things that people may not know about. And um, just the fascination of, you know, understanding your role in that position. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Sure. So as a trial attorney for the King County State's Attorney's Office, you know, my role was to do what was right for the community. It was never to just secure convictions. It was to do the right thing. Um, And so I was very fortunate to work for two different state's attorneys who fulfilled that role and that philosophy of what's right for the entire community. And so that's the eye that I always had when I was working on my files. What's going to help this individual who's charged to never find themselves in that position? What's going to help the victims and what's going to help the community as a whole? And so, you know, I was a big fan of, you know, we had a lot of people who made, you know, mistakes who we wanted to make sure didn't fall into that trap. So I was very lucky that we had a lot of diversion programs. So if that person fit that bill, then we can resolve the case in that way. There were other cases where if they needed different types of services, for example, drug court or mental health court or veterans court towards the tail end, you know, that's where they needed to be. And so if we couldn't resolve the case in any other way and there was just no way to handle it outside of a trial, then we would do that. But obviously I came from a really strong background of, you know, do the right thing. Always, always do the right thing. That's incredible. And I'm sure you're running your platform in that way. And certainly you're just, you're talking about finding resources right. and finding resources in your community and being very knowledgeable about your community. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's your platform now and that's what you're running on is not only being able to provide services and resources, but knowing the community? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I've noticed. So, you know, the way that, for example, the state's attorney's office and the diversion programs that they have, that's one thing um, that we don't really get involved in um, the way any diversion programs that they create. But what I've noticed in my courtroom, I'm currently at the Aurora Branch Court, is that the majority of the people that find themselves in that courtroom have no idea. They've never been in court before. They don't understand the process. And it's very obvious to me that 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 education needs to come from me. So I spend time in the morning, I do a little speech, but then at the end, if someone does decide, for example, to plead not guilty and set the matter for trial, it's my job to explain to them what that actually means. You know, do they know the difference between a jury trial and a bench trial? Do they know that once they waive their right to a jury trial in this case, they can never get it back? You know, these are the types of things that I learned right away on the bench that this is incumbent on me to teach my community. I've also noticed that, you know, and and this is something that I want to talk to my chief judge about, but sometimes people find themselves in situations because they don't have the education. 
for example, like I was kind of looking at some small claims stuff. <laughs> I went to a training in Springfield and we had a small course about small claims. And I left that course and I looked at Judge Cruz because he was also there. And I said, I, my next assignment has to be small claims. It seems super interesting. And he just laughed. He's like, you know, you wouldn't know what you're getting yourself into. It's not that interesting. I'm like, but, you know, people fighting about like a car or like, you know, credit card debt, that would be kind of interesting. He's like, that's because you're nosy. I'm like, I am very nosy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a Judge Judy Right, style. exactly. You know, if you're dealing with someone who's found themselves in that position, then maybe they don't know how to manage money. Right. Right. And maybe a course in financial literacy is something that we should offer or, you know, ask them to complete to understand they made a mistake or they made some bad choices. But how do you prevent yourself from falling into that trap again? Yeah, These are the types of things that I think, you know, we could be a little bit more progressive and, and, and make sure that people don't fall into those traps that got them there in the first place. Right. Yeah. Knowledge is power. Oh, totally. So, so knowing and understanding. But I also feel like knowing who to go to and sure, talk to that, about these things yeah. are, are sometimes the, the scary or mm-hmm. cumbersome part of it, right? So who do you talk to about when you made a mistake? Or right. can you own up, have the accountability to, to you know, acknowledge yeah. that that action. So yeah, yeah that's, that's incredible and mm-hmm. a resource. And, and so that kind of leads me into my next question. Mm-hmm. Is there one specific moment or incident that you look back and realize that it was your turning point for your career or your journey and or was it a maybe no longer a process that you do? I will say that when I graduated and started at the state's attorney's office, I thought to myself, I'm going to be a career prosecutor. Nothing's ever going to take me away from being a prosecutor. That's what I wanted to do. That's how I wanted to retire. And then COVID happened. Mm. And with COVID came no longer doing jury trials on a regular basis, not being in court, and the implementation of Zoom, right? And Mm -hmm. so what I will back up and say is I loved being in court. I loved talking to the attorneys about cases, you know, the defense attorneys that would come into the morning court call. I loved putting on trials like that was my excitement. You know, it was like you would do a trial and then that would that excitement and that passion would carry me to the next trial. But when COVID happened and we weren't doing any trials, it got really, really quiet in my mind for for the first time ever. And what I mean by that is I lost my passion of being in the courtroom of of that excitement, that energy, it was gone. We weren't even going to court anymore. We were doing everything through Zoom. The digital era. Yeah. And I mean, as a judge, I love Zoom, right? It allows people to, you know, Zoom in from from work or from their house. And so they don't have to worry about gas and daycare and and taking time up. That is Mm -hmm. perfect. And Mm -hmm. I love it. But me as a trial attorney, I got, you know, sad, bored, you know? And I started thinking... Maybe there's something else out there for me. Maybe it's time to try something new. And so um, as I was having these thoughts in my mind, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? <laughs> Someone came looking for me from Casa King County and um, they said, we would like to interview you. We have a spot open. We think you'd be a great fit. 
it, it was like, okay, this is my something new. This mm-hmm. is, this is a new area of law. This is working with a whole brand new set of people. I wouldn't be conducting jury trials, but I'm not doing that now. Right. <laughs> um, and so I, I jumped on it and they interviewed me and I was, you know, very excited to start something new, uh, and to learn something new. And so I was there, unfortunately, only four or five months before I got appointed, but, um, you know, it definitely opened my eyes to, you know, don't have this plan of this is it for me mm-hmm. because you never know what's going to happen. You know, you were open to new ideas. Sure. I, I think that's what COVID did for a lot of yes. folks is that it opened their <clears throat> third eye per se and, mm-hmm. and really let them see a different side of themselves. Correct. Or maybe that they are now pursuing something new. So and many of them call it pivot. Yeah. So did you pivot or did you it say was, you grew from COVID like, you know, expanded? Um, Maybe grew and expanded yeah. because I, you know, it was a brand new area of law you know, brand new group of people I've never worked with. Um, and so it was definitely a pivot and, you know, it was still good work. You know, that's one thing that I enjoyed about being a prosecutor. It's a, I was in my mind doing good work. I could go home, feel like I'm assisting my community and keeping it safe, go home, go to bed, you know, and, and feel good about what I did. Same thing in CASA. I was like, I was going to help children who were in really bad situations, right? right? So who doesn't want to be a part of that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. so. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So then tell us, in, in court, what do you oversee now that you've had these experiences? So I see traffic and misdemeanor cases. Um, so um, the mis- being a chismosa and the No, I'm not in chismosa <laughs> right now. Not a chismosa yet. <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. I would love small claims. I think it would be fun. Just Maybe I'm so wrong. Universe. Mm-hmm. If my chief judge is listening. <laughs> Watch Monday or on tomorrow. He'll be like, you're moving to small claims. We were looking for you. Right. Um, but, right. Put it out in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> right now I do traffic and misdemeanor, but the misdemeanors are everything except uh, DUI and domestics. And so criminal trespass, um, resisting those types of cases. And what I see in my courtroom a lot is pro se defendants. So people that are representing themselves. And I will tell you, we have so many courageous people out in the community who plead not guilty and decide to represent themselves in a trial. I know your eyebrows went up because same, same. I, I don't think, you know, obviously when I became an attorney, obviously that's what you do. But prior to that, to, to just go to court and say, okay, your turn. Let's do it. Let's do the trial. And so procedurally, I can tell them how we're going to proceed in the case and, and just how the structure is going to be. But I can't help them with legal stuff, right? I can't tell them what to argue in their opening statements, how to ask direct examination questions, crossing a witness. Wow. That all falls on them. Um, and I will tell you there we have some talented people in this community because they do a really, really good job. And you know what I've seen in the trials is that people just want to be heard, you know, so you will sit there and you will listen to them and and they say, you know, first word when they testify, judge, I just want to let you know I was speeding, but I want to tell you why, you know, maybe another judge would be like, "Eh, it doesn't matter why, you know, but I listen to them because that's what they want. They want to be heard and I'm okay with that. Let's hear it. Let's hear. Maybe there's something in there that, you know, maybe there's a necessity defense. I don't know. But it's something that we have that I 
allow them to be heard. That's what the community wants. It's obvious to me. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. That's that's so refreshing to hear mm-hmm. because as Latinos, we like to talk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I could say it firsthand that just being heard and maybe not even understood sometimes, right? Maybe you may not understand, but just listening to me is a vote of, you know, comforting for me. Mm-hmm. So that's incredible that that is happening in the court air, like space, right? right? Because that's such a scary environment, especially mm-hmm. if not, you're not familiar with right. it. If you don't know what questions to ask, if you don't know what to expect. I mean, if, if I were going in representing myself, Prior to getting there, what would be something that you would tell me to say stop and, you know, and maybe you don't, I don't even know if legally you can answer this. Like, where can I find the resources either online or in my community to help me understand the process? That's one of the things, too, that I think that when people, what people have to understand is, you know, like, for example, on a traffic ticket, there's a citation on there on what, on the offense that you're charged with. Take a look at it. See what's required, what they charged you with, and see if that's what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, the traffic tickets are, they have mistakes on them. That happens, right? And But for the m- most part, I think looking at the statute, and you can just Google it, and it will come up under the Illinois Compiled Statutes. It will be the first hit, I promise you. Just type it all in and read it and look at it and see what you're actually charged with. Um, cause it's, again, it's so sad. People will come in and they don't even know what they're charged right. with. Um, and so every time that they approach the bench, I tell them, you know, this is what you're charged with. It does look like you're entering into a plea of guilty, you know, to that offense. Is that correct? Yes. Um, half the time I'll go through an entire plea. Um, and mind you, they've already talked to an assistant state attorney or to the village prosecutor or city prosecutor. They've negotiated their case out and then they come to me and we go over their terms and they're still not sure what they're pleading guilty to or what supervision even means. So, again, these are the types of things that that's that's my role. Right. That's where Bianca needs to jump in and make sure that they understand and talk in normal terms that people from our community can understand sitting here talking in legalese. People aren't going to understand what that means. Reporting conditional discharge. What does that mean? What does that mean? That's a phrase that you're saying, but I have no idea what that means, you know, or, you know, even reporting court supervision. What's the difference between reporting and non-reporting? Does non-reporting just mean I never have to come back? That's not true. You do have to come back if your terms aren't completed, you know, and so we have to talk about that and we have to make sure that they have a clear understanding. And maybe people think I talk too much up there, (laughs) but I also think it's that's my role. I I have to educate my community. That's definitely part of my my job. Yeah, you do diligence, Mm -hmm. especially when, you know, even just mentioning pro se, people don't may not understand or may not grasp what that and really mean the the entire scope of what that means is that you are in this by yourself right and sometimes people feel that way when they're in the courtroom they're alone and everything is just coming down on them Mm -hmm. so well that's what i also say in my opening speech i i tell them you know like this is your day in court so if you have questions about what you're charged with what the possible penalties are what your options are please ask us we can't give you legal advice but we are definitely here to help you through the process. All of us are. 
you know? And so, I mean, there are people that will be shaking their heads when they're listening to me. So of course that makes me feel like, yeah, okay, let's just tone it down because Going to court's not a, a fun thing, right? Obviously, nobody imagine. wants to go to court. Only nobody. you. Only you. You like <laughs> maybe it. just me, just you, just me. But other than that, yeah. there's, you know, I would say maybe outside of marriages and adoptions, it's not a good thing to be in court. Um, so in my courtroom, definitely with traffic and misdemeanor, I I want to make sure that you know people are calm. You know, there'll be times where people approach the bench and they're shaking, right. um, and I'm like, just take Nervous. a deep breath. You know, like we're here to help you, you know, and especially my Latino community, you know, so imagine being, you know, you know, you speak English or going to court. Okay, blah, blah. But if you don't speak English at all, the language barrier, and then you don't have an understanding of what's happening, you know, so that's definitely another role of mine is to make sure that, you know, people that don't speak English have a have a clear understanding of what's going on. And, and, and I'm lucky that, you know, if they are just asking for a continuance to hire an attorney or to talk to secretary of state, that I can talk to them directly and they understand that I'm there to help them. Right. Yeah. Um, and I can tell them, listen, you know, especially driving on a suspended, <laughs> that's a topic that I never really, you know, as a prosecutor, I would always think to myself, why don't they just get their driver's license reinstated? What's, what's taking so long right. now sitting on the bench? It's almost like there are people who, you know, for example, they get a ticket in 2020. They, they barely got their driver's license back, you know, last week. Mm-hmm. It took two years to get their driver's license reinstated and they were working diligently the entire time. It's just a process right. that's not an easy one to obtain. And so, I definitely want to help with that and make sure that they understand that I'll give them all the time that they need as long as they, you know, keep working on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The language barrier is so important to, yes. to, to acknowledge mm-hmm. because are, are there interpreters right now in your yeah. courtroom? Mm-hmm. So I will do the continuances because that's just one on one. Uh, but the pleas where the assistant state attorneys or the village of Aurora, they need to obviously hear what's going on. Um, I don't, I use an interpreter for that mm. just because there's other people involved. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's excellent news to hear, yeah. especially again, because we want to bridge that gap. Plus we also want to make sure that um, there is no allegations that I said something that I didn't say, mm. you know, Very um, important. so that's what the interpreter's for. That, that's amazing. And yep. I'm glad that that service is provided. Absolutely. So, so tell me then, obviously your parents are Mexican-American, mm-hmm. so I'm just curious how they would describe what you do. Um, You mean in the courtroom? Or just, well, I mean, you're right, you are running for election right now. So what what do you feel like your parents, how would they describe what your position is right now? Or if they were telling me, this is what my daughter does. What would they say? Well, my dad would tell you that I'm a judge. So my, okay, let me back up. My dad is my number one fan outside of my husband, right? So they're both vying for the number one spot right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually pulled my dad out of retirement. My gosh, <laughs> he's, really? he's working for me full time. So he went from being Perfect. a union electrician to being a non-union worker for me. No pay, <laughs> no benefits, no breaks, no nothing. If you pay him like I pay my father with food, <laughs> hugs and kisses. He's yep. great. He's got it. He's That's got it what made. he tells me. He tells me all the time that we're spending together is all the payment yeah. that I need. Right. So um, he he's 
if you ask him what I do, he would be able to tell you because he's campaigning for Bianca, right? Wow. I love <laughs> so, it. So, you know, when he's knocking on doors and there, you know, people say, well, why would I want to vote for her? He would say, well, she was unanimously appointed by the Illinois <laughs> Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, he's very, very good. I mean, and he, you know, he's very proud of me. He tells me every day. Mm. I'm very happy. Proud Papa. Mm-hmm. And then my mom passed away in 2016. But mm. I mean, sometimes I can hear her cheering me on from heaven <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah you ever so so my mom passed away in 2015 yeah. and i don't know about you but like when i'm nervous or like things are getting hectic yeah. i feel this calm come over me and i feel like it's my mom yeah i my mom wouldn't give me the calm my mom would give me the you know <laughs> the, the patadita the, the kick <laughs> the, she would she would i can hear her in my mind really? like i didn't raise you to be a punk come on come on you know, because she would tell me that in when she was alive, like when I was struggling in law school, she would come down and she would tell me, like, come on, Bianca, like, you got this. Don't let anybody make you feel inferior or feel less than, I mean, you got this. You know, that's almost like she's like, I didn't raise you to be a punk. Wow. Come on. You know, and I need that. You know, I needed that because I, I looked up to my mom's, you know how we are with our moms, right? I never told her this when she was around, of course, and one of the biggest regrets, but like, she was everything to me. She was the strongest woman I knew. Um, She was everything. And I looked up to her so much. I used to think to myself, if I had that type of like character to be so strong, I'd do anything. I'd do anything. Sounds like you got a little bit of it. It rubbed (laughs) up. It rubbed up. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, I mean, and and sometimes we need to hear that. Sometimes we need, and we call it la patadita, Uh right? Like where you're encouraged Mm -hmm. or just pushed forward to go. It's like they call it now um, that fancy term, that five second rule. (laughs) (laughs) Many of them know it by the book, the five second rule where you're like, vamonos, let's go. Like there's no time to think, or my children know it as silencio Bruno. Right? Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So we all kind of have that a little bit. So I'm so glad she instilled that in you because it takes a lot of courage to run a campaign. Yep. To put yourself out in the public, to have people talk about you, how great you're doing things, but then also have people, you know, that are not so nice. So you have to take a lot of um, a lot of the good and the bad. So you have to have that stamina and that encouragement. Yeah. I mean, I will walk away from this no matter what happens um, with this thought. If you can get through a campaign alive you can get through anything (laughs) anything because you know prior to this my life was very private i mean Mm. i wasn't on facebook i wasn't on any type of social media we had this conversation yeah yes and i i mean my son was my son Mm. i mean i didn't share photos of him my husband never put photos of javi on his facebook he was mine he was my secret he was all of mine and now it's like put your entire life out there bianca throw it all up there and and you know i understand obviously that's part of campaign and they want to know you you know they want to know you professionally they want to know you uh personally and even a lot of this stuff about my mom i mean i will tell you sharing a lot of it is kind of therapeutic too right because um i was able to get through all of that talking to you without even tearing up uh prior to that i you know it's just a topic i don't like to talk about because it's still you know you know very fresh it's yes even 
when people tell you, you know, time, you'll move on. No, 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 no. no. I'm walking around without my left arm. Like, right. I don't have my mom, you know, and it's a hard thing to go through, right? Yes. But with the whole campaigning and having to put everything out there, it's, you know, that's that's a part of me. And that's my story, part of my story. You and know? that takes a lot of courage. Yeah. It I takes mean, a lot of courage. So you're absolutely right. Surviving a mm-hmm. campaign for anybody. <laughs> for anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you're right. The the good things that people say are, you know, you're one, it's like a roller coaster. Right. And that's what everyone told me. They were like, Bianca, prepare to be really high one moment and really low, really high, really low, really high. And, and you know, little things can get to you like, Oh, did you see where that person put a new sign? I oh, wish we had that right. sign location. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, just little things like that. And you're, and you're like, like, I don't have time for this. Right. I you have know? the next thing. That's what I told my husband the other day. I'm like, you know what? We got to just onward. And that's all we can do. Yeah, That's all we can do. We can't focus on this little stuff. We got to move on because we're, you know, at this point, I think when we had that conversation, I'm like, we're 35 days out. Right. You don't have time for this nonsense. Right. Keep your head up and move on. And keep moving. And keep, keep moving. Keep swimming. And I'm going to tell you, people are going to say whatever they want to say. They're right. going to say the good things. They're going to say the bad things. They're going to make things up. They're going to add to the stories, you know, right. good or bad. Right. The telephone mm-hmm. effect. Oh, my god. They're going to play telephone and then mm-hmm. it gets all skewed at the end and mm-hmm. nobody knows the truth. Right. So, Bianca, thank you so much for being here. It's been a fantastic time having this conversation with you and learning more about you and certainly um i'm grateful that you are a part of women of aurora so why did you join women of aurora what made you want to join the the group i really enjoyed what you were doing (laughs) actually like i met you first um if i remember correctly somebody came up to me and they said you have to become facebook friends with cindy gamboa and i'm like okay so i find you and i request you and you left me in the waiting room for months and months and months. Sorry, and then I saw you at so an true. event. It was mostly like, like three weeks. Um, <laughs> and I saw you in an event and you let me in. And then that's when I saw the women of Aurora and I enjoyed what you were doing. I liked the events. I went to a couple of them. I thought they were great. Uh, you know, getting the community together and then also sharing resources and seeing other women who were like doing it, right? Yeah. Um, that had their own businesses and were, you know, in different positions. So I really enjoy that aspect of it, like seeing women in power. Yes, mm-hmm. me too. I love that. Yeah. And, and encouraging and supporting each other. Correct. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, especially if the group has come together so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's been great to see it. And I'm so grateful you're a part of it. Yeah. Thank that's, you. So let's end here. Mm-hmm. If you could recommend one book to our audience, what would it be? I'm going to tell you the last book that I just read. I decided to start reading again in the middle of a campaign. You know, it's my you little downtime. Yeah, right. I got time. I got plenty of time. It just took me three months to read the book. But, <laughs> but it got um, done. It got done. I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. I, it resonated with me about how this young girl will never live up to her perfect sister's position right so her sister dies should i tell the whole you story can. oh my gosh I mean, well, now no one's gonna want to read it no tell it's us just why great, we should read it. it because it just outlines that you don't have to fall in these certain categories to be to have a good relationship with your parents or to and that's kind of why i think it resonated with me is that i kind of push back with my mom a lot as a lot of mother-daughter relationships are and that that kind of showed me that it was okay it was okay to to be different, to have an opinion, 
and to not just fall in line with, you know, your parents want you to be this, this and oh, this, yes. you know, and it's like, it really made me feel like it was okay for me and my mom to have disagreements and to be different and to think outside of the box and, and have those, you know, ideas and want something more, yes. you know, than just living at home and, and being like an old maid type thing. It's like, no, right. I want to go out. I want to have a career. I want to live. My parents never expected that of me to just sit at home and, you know, not never. And in fact, they expected the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing now? <laughs> yeah. So, but it was, a, it's a good read. That's amazing. Very good read. Yeah. And you don't have to be Mexican to resonate with no, this book. Absolutely I've, not. I've certainly have seen the title mm-hmm. and now I think I will definitely pick up a copy because yes. um, it does resonate with anyone that's a daughter. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the title is, uh, I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And do you remember the author? By no. Chance? No, it's okay. Yeah. Well, everybody can Google it yeah. nowadays. She so. actually has another book coming out this summer, um, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the title, but I have it saved on my uh, Amazon book list yes. <laughs> yes. because I definitely want to keep following up with her because I, I like the way she writes. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you connecting with Women of Yay. Aurora today yes. and certainly look forward to seeing the results of the campaign. Me too. Right, right, right. <laughs> And, and you on top. So that's amazing. We're cheering you on. And Thank certainly you. if, um, you know, you have any final words to say or if you would like to add anything before we stop recording, you're you're welcome to. I just really appreciate the opportunity to tell a little bit of my story today. I really do. This platform is such an amazing platform. And I appreciate you for even starting it. Um, so I'll. Um, and then, you know, I'm just asking really my community to come out and support. I know this is probably not political, so I probably shouldn't go there, but any support on June 28th, I would appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Bianca. Many thanks to our producer, Amy Downing of Amy Downing Media and Marketing. Looking for a space to create connections in Aurora, Illinois? Join the Women of Aurora Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know in the Facebook group and be sure to tell a friend. If you haven't yet, remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform. See you next time.